You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, what is up, Bills Mafia? Welcome into this episode of the Buffalo Nerd, your home for Buffalo Bills football with a charity on top. Brought to you by SB Nation on the Buffalo Rumblings YouTube and Podcast Network. I'm your host, Colt Schroeder. And then on this week's show, I'm joined by football guys, Dave Kluge. He is a Jay Cutler apologist and has been known to Kluge people. This week, we're going to deep dive into the Bills offense from a fantasy point of view. It's about to go. Yeah. This is the Buffalo Nerd Sports Podcast, where we talk history of the game numbers and stats. And each week, we highlight a charity that's doing good. If you haven't subscribed yet, then you should, because I'm sick, 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 the real deal. And you know I got a shout out to Buffalo Bills. Turn it up to the max, sit back and relax. This is the Buffalo Nerd Sports Podcast. Let go! Well, 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 welcome into the show, everyone. Happy to be here, excited for this one. Really been waiting kind of all year to start diving into the Bills from a fantasy perspective while it's nice and slow during the offseason. So you can see I am joined by the aforementioned Dave Kluge of footballguys.com. Mr. Kluge, sir, how are you? I am doing fantastic, man. Excited to be back with you again. It's been almost a year since we did our last show together. So uh, thanks for thanks for the invite. Yeah, man, I'm super excited to hang out with you again. Um, you know, it's a blast when we get an opportunity to chat with, you know, guys that have really good knowledge of the game. I consider you to be one of those people. Uh, you write for an incredible website that has a lot of great content. Um, so I'm excited to dive into some football and talk bills, you know, offense. It, it looks great on paper. Right. So uh, let, let's let's see what it's going to actually look like. Right. Um, but before we do get into that. Like we do every week on the show, we do like to start out by highlighting a charity. Um, when this week, uh, Dave got to choose the charity that we are highlighting. So we're going to go ahead and highlight Movember, right? So you can find them at us.movember.com. Um, that's here if you're here in the United States. So Dave, why don't you go ahead and kind of tell me why you chose them? Well, you know, Movember really encompasses a lot of different things. It's kind of known as like a catch-all um, men's uh, charity and it started off with testicular and prostate cancer specifically. But uh, just a few years ago, they switched over to men's mental health being one of their pillars. And uh, that's just something that is really, really important to me. So uh, what I do every November is grow out my mustache, which is, uh, as you can see by the graphic here, a very important part of the Movember charity. And uh, I've been hosting a potathon, which has just, uh, you know, we're hoping it's going to grow a little bit this year. We raised about $5,000 last year. Just had guests rotating in every half hour, kind of tell them their story a little bit, um, whether it be about mental health or, or somebody that they lost, you know, somebody that overcame a sickness. Uh, you know, any, any time that you can just get people to rally around a good cause, I think that's something worth highlighting a little bit. And the fantasy community really, really stepped up for this pot of last year. Yeah, and I think a lot of people when they they think Movember, right, they know what it is. They know the mustache thing, this, that and the other. And they think November. Right. But 
This is actually a charity that does a lot of things throughout the entire year, right? So uh, it's very cool organization. You know, they they do all sorts of stuff. And, and I know that the, there's a lot of good stats on there that I don't think a lot of people realize that just how, you know, many men are actually dying from cancer and of things of that nature, right? So if you do head over to their website and check it out, there's actually uh, quite a bit of good information on there. Uh, if you're a male or aging, such as myself, you know, going to 40, uh, there's, there's some good things to read on there. So uh, head over there and check them out. But Let's go ahead and get into why we brought Dave here. But before we really dive into that, I best every guest since it's been happening, coming on, calling it hashtag Poyer Watch. Where do you stand on the Buffalo Bills signing Jordan Poyer? Is it a must do in your eyes? Because he's expensive. And now with Drew Rosenhaus involved, he's really expensive. Yeah, I mean, I think you got to. Um, there, there's no amount of money that you don't want to spend when you're chasing after a championship. And that's where they're at right now. I mean, if they're going to commit all that money to Von Miller at, what, 32 years old, you got to commit whatever Jordan Boyer is asking for. Keep it together right now. And they've just, it, you know, it, it's pretty much Super Bowl or bust right now for the Buffalo Bills. So, yeah, I think they got to make that move. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people are on board. If you ask the mafia, they're like, let's sign him. Let's get it done. I don't think he's going to get the long-term deal that he's hoping for. I do think he'll get paid this year, maybe one, two year deal. I think that's what he's going to get, but there's got to be room to maneuver after that. But let's get your expertise going here because you are a fantasy guru type of guy. Right. And so I'm curious because when, when Josh Allen came to the league, it was a lot of, he's not going to be able to do it. He's not going to pull it off. It's really changed dramatically right now. He's now considered one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And at a fantasy perspective, he's been scoring at will basically. And he, you know, he's been scoring at the top as far as quarterbacks go. So let me get your input. Where are you with Josh Allen as far as an NFL quarterback in the league? Is he one of top 10, top five? Top 10, top five. Come on. He's a top three quarterback. What are you talking about? This guy is unbelievable. We're talking from a dynasty or a fantasy perspective. He is number one overall. And I've been in that camp for a little while. I mean, I put him as my number one overall dynasty quarterback two years ago and people thought that I was insane for putting him ahead of Patrick Mahomes and you know you can look at the two guys on a field and make a strong case for either of them but when you look at the rushing upside that Josh Allen brings from a fantasy standpoint there's just nobody that does what he does I mean this guy passes like Patrick Mahomes and runs like Lamar Jackson like he is a running back one and a quarterback one plugged into the same body um yeah I mean he's he's a top three talent as far as just uh overall quarterback right now in the NFL and you know, it, it's really tough comparing quarterbacks. Like if you have to make a power list, like a, a listing of power rankings, because yeah, you know, how do you compare Josh Allen, who is just, you know, this monster of a man that can just run through defenders. How do you compare him to somebody like Tom Brady, who, you know, you blow on him and he falls over, but he's going to hit pinpoint passes out of the pocket all day. But I think when you look at the total package, when it comes to athleticism, accuracy, age, personality, you know, leadership, all of that, you've got to put Josh Allen in the top three. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people leave that out. I mean, the fit of your quarterback in your organization and how they fit into the team culture, the community culture, that's important if you're going to be successful, right? Uh, We've seen teams like, look at Russell Wilson. I mean, he had a great run in Seattle and now it's falling apart all of a sudden, right? Like after, you know, like it's just one of those things where it's weird. It's really got to fit. And I think people underestimate that a lot, uh, but he is, you, when you, when you talk about that, he's just, he's looked unworldly. There's nothing at this point that's telling us he's getting worse or he's going to get worse. Uh, I don't know if you saw the videos of him at uh, tight end. You um, walk in with CJ Beathard and Zach Wilson. I mean, he's, he's like towering over these guys, you know, he's a big, big man. You know, so uh, I I wanted to start you out with the easy stuff 
that you would you would appease the mafia, you know, so we don't get you in any trouble earlier. Because I figured most people do believe that Josh Allen's the man. I actually just started um, my first redraft draft of the year today, and I had the first overall pick, and it was really crossing my mind to just take him. But then I was like, don't do it. You know, it's the number I mean, one overall pick. But it was is, really is it crossing my mind. Or- is it super flex no, or just, two quarters? Just, just PPR, right? So I was like, eh. but it's like it's a serious conversation, right? That Josh yeah. Allen could be your number one, the number one pick in a draft in redraft. Yeah. And, and like I said, you know, as far as dynasty, where you're really drafting for the long term, it's not just one year. Quarterbacks get inflated a little bit in dynasty because they just have longevity and, you know, job security and things like that. And and like I said, I moved him ahead of Patrick Mahomes a couple of years back, and and now he is the unanimous. You know, they they call it the one hundred and one, the first overall pick in dynasty. It would be insane to see anybody take Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes or Justin Herbert or any of these guys ahead of Josh Allen at this point. Yeah, I mean, he's just he's a stud, and uh, it's very nice to finally have him, and we can you know talk about him year after year after year after year because it's way more fun than everything else we've had to do. I promise you that. So, but let me, now when we get past that though, right? You you look at this team, you move past that, right? So you you know you've got your QB one, it's dialed in. That's the guy you should go after if you want to get a real good quarterback. You're gonna have to go get him early if you want him, right? I think that's a consensus. Or you just plan on not having a quarterback that's gonna run and pass, right? But what I want to know you because you said that he's basically kind of like a running back too, right? And this off season, we heard a lot so far about Ken Dorsey's talk that he wants Josh Allen to run again. You know, he felt like he took some of that away last year and he wants them to run again. Are any of the running backs on this roster then worthwhile at all? Or are you just kind of staying away? Because I'm always like, hey, this is a really good offense. And in fantasy, you want to be part of good offenses that score points. Right. But it doesn't feel like it comes from the running backs here. Yeah. And I mean, so much of that just has to do with the fact that Josh Allen is basically the goal line back. So, I mean, that's where the majority of points come from If you're, for fantasy running backs is scoring touchdowns. And really, I mean, for the most part, running backs are just a decoy at the goal line. Like you might see a play action or something like that. But at the end of the day, Josh Allen is going to drop his head and he's going to run it into the end zone himself. So that does make it pretty tough. And I've heard conflicting reports coming out of Buffalo. You know, like you said, Ken Dorsey said he wants him running the ball more. But then a lot of people are saying that the uh, draft pick of James Cook is something that is going to try to, you know, change the way that Josh Allen plays the game. Now that they've committed, you know, basically half a billion dollars to Josh Allen, they want to protect him. So, you know, they, they, they might want to try to change some of his tendencies a little bit. You know, hey, rather than taking those big hits at the goal line, we just went out and drafted James Cook for you. This guy's got hands like, you know, he can catch anything. So rather than taking those big hits and, and running the ball through the goal line, just throw a little feather check down pass and let James Cook do the work. So it's possible that we see that progression over time, but that's not something that's going to happen overnight. You know, he doesn't go from being the run first quarterback that he is right now to suddenly, you know, throwing check down passes like Phil Rivers. That's just not going to happen. And over time it could, but I still expect him to maintain a similar pace to what we've seen over the last few years which is just him loving to rush the ball at the goal line. And like you said, you know, I'm looking at right now, eight touchdowns last, or eight touchdowns as a rookie, nine the next year, eight the next year, six the year after that. I mean, that is a lot of touchdowns that aren't going to the running backs. But the nice thing is when you're in these drafts, everybody knows that. And you can get these guys for dirt cheap. Right now, Devin Singletary, who is, you know, presumed to be the lead back on one of the most explosive offenses in the league, is getting drafted in the 10th or 11th round, which is crazy. So right. I'm still willing to throw, you know, some some late round picks at Devin Singletary and James Cook. But really, you're looking at these guys as like your second or third option at running back. You can't really build a fantasy roster around any of them. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's I, I'm in that boat right now, and I love the team, right? And then I look at it like I don't want any part of it. Uh, the Cook piece of it intrigues me. Definitely, we're doing Dynasty, right? He's somebody that you definitely, I think, would want to potentially be able to get after because. Uh, I, I just saw that thing from uh, PFF today that I think basically since like 2020 or whatever, he's the highest rated running back against single coverage, right? Like, so if you need just that quick little three, four yards, and then he turns it into, I think we're going to see that a lot more in the offense this year. And I think that's kind of the piece of the puzzle that's been missing. Uh, but I do agree that Singletary's not going to just get pushed out of the way of this, right? Like he, he still has a, a piece. If anybody is going to get pushed, it's probably Zach Moss is going to get pushed out of the way, right? You know, like, you don't, you're not really the goal line guy. They might bring him in to be presumably the look of the goal line guy, right? But, like, I, I don't see him being that guy. So if it's me right now, I'd take James Cook. Um, but for for all intents and purposes, I won't be taking anybody in the Bills' backfield. Uh, but I do anticipate that Cook, like, by next year will be really in- intriguing in this offense. But the one other thing that I'd like to point out is we saw at the end of the year – Devin Singletary suddenly became a workhorse and it was, oh, yeah, it was very a good small sample size. But yeah, you look at the last four games, 19 rushes per game, 81 yards per game, and he averaged over one touchdown per game. So it's like we we know that an offense of this caliber should be able to pro- provide some sort of valuable running back. And throughout Josh Allen's entire career, we haven't seen it. And then we get this little sliver of hope at the very end of the season and you got to wonder if that's going to progress into next year. Um, and, and at, you know, just happened to coincide the same time that Devin Singletary pop happens to be the same time that Gabe Davis pops. So mm-hmm. it's really tough to read between the lines. Like, did we see this offense take a huge dramatic shift at the end of the season that's going to carry over into 2022? Or was it just kind of fluky and something that we shouldn't be reading too deeply into? Right. I mean, because there's also the piece that's a brand new offensive coordinator. So he might just be like, yeah, I don't want to do what we did last year. But I think what we saw at that same point last year, and that's why I say you can't just set him aside because of what he did at the end of the season. And he's coming up on contracts. He's he's if you're going to get a year out of him, it's going to be this year. They brought in a new offensive coordinator, you know, excuse me, a new offense coordinator and new offensive line coach. Right. So I think there could be some difference there. And we brought in a couple guys this offseason on the line that are run blockers. Right. So I, I definitely think that there's going to be a little change of the tune. So Singletary, I'm anticipating is going to have a nice year. Uh, but that's why I think that Zach Moss is just his, his his the writings on the wall for him. Singletary's got his chance to stick here long term with a really good season, I think. Agreed. But you mentioned somebody that last year was going to be the season of pop, right? And Gabe Davis popped at the end of the year a little bit, right? It kind of transitioned a little bit at the end of the year. Obviously had a phenomenal playoff game where he scored touchdown after touchdown after touchdown. So it looks very good again. Right. But then during the offseason, you you move around pieces, you shuffle again because the clear cuts to Diggs, And then I think a lot of people have question marks about what it looks like behind him. Right. That there's no real true number two there yet. Where are you at on Gabe Davis? Is this the season or are you like, I think he's going to have a good season again. But Jamison Crowder's in the mix. McKenzie's in the mix. We just talked about Cook now being in the mix. You know, like. Where are you at? So, man, I I don't like saying this on a Bills podcast, but I'm just not a huge believer in Gabriel Davis. And I know that that's tough to say right now because, like, all of the reports coming out of camp are that, you know, he's taking that step up. He's going to be a dominant receiver. Like, he's ready to take on a big load. But historically, when looking at wide receiver production, there's one metric that is pretty sticky year to year. And, and, you know, it's an indicator of how well a uh, wide receiver is going to do. 
and that is target share. You know, how many of the team's targets are you able to pull in your direction? And in both of his years, back-to-back seasons, he had exactly 10.9% target share, and that is low. That is not a good target share, and we see these little flashes at the end of the season, but if you remember, we also saw Gabe Davis flash at the end of his rookie year. So, Mm -hmm. you know, Gabe Davis had a really quiet rookie season. Last five or six games, he popped. He became everyone's favorite sleeper. Everyone drafted him last year. He didn't do anything. In the last four games, he pops again, and now here we are going into year three, and everyone's expecting this huge breakout, but I think people just got a little bit over their skis with Gabe Davis. You know, when you're looking at overall rankings, Right now, Gabriel Davis is getting drafted as the wide receiver 24 overall. And, you know, obviously it makes sense that Stephon Diggs is a top five receiver. You expect that with Stephon Diggs. But looking at Gabriel Davis right now, he's getting drafted ahead of Rashad Bateman, who's going to be the wide receiver one in Baltimore. He's getting drafted ahead of Brandon Cooks, who has put up top 24 seasons for like six years straight. Juju Smith-Schuster, Darnell Mooney, Amari Cooper, a lot of guys that are going to be the primary receivers on their team. And I just don't see it happening because of all the other bodies there. I think the biggest knock against Gabe Davis isn't anything that he's done specifically, but it's just Jamison Crowder. I have been a huge Jamison Crowder fan um, since this guy came into the league. He has never been on a good team. He's never had good quarterback play. And now all of a sudden he is on one of the most explosive offenses in the league. I talked about target share earlier, Jamison Crowder. um, And and again, to put this into perspective, uh, Gabe Davis is less than 11% in back-to-back seasons. Jamison Crowder has been above 22%, twice as high as Gabe Davis in three of the last four seasons. And this guy is just an absolute dog. And I feel like a lot of Bills fans haven't even really taken notice yet to how good he is, which he should. I mean, he had that huge catch and run last year against the Bills for a touchdown. But I think that he just fits so well with what Josh Allen likes to do, and that's really heavily target the slot. Now, Cole Beasley did nothing in his career prior to Buffalo. If you look at his stats in Dallas, he did nothing. And then all of a sudden he shows up in a Buffalo and just consistently cranks out these big seasons. 2019, he was the wide receiver 33. 2020, he was the wide receiver 27. 2021, he was the wide receiver 37. All three of those finishes are inside the top 40. In every single season, he saw a minimum of 100 targets. So I expect Jamison Crowder to step into that role, and there might be a little bit of a timeshare where Isaiah McKenzie can work his way in there. James Cook might even get some snaps uh, out of the slot as well. But really... I think Jamison Crowder being just 29 years old, that's younger than Cole Beasley was in each of the Mm. last three years. Jamison Crowder is younger, bigger, stronger, faster. I think he's just an all-around better football player than Cole Beasley. So if he can still command 100, 120 targets out of the slot, that doesn't leave a lot of meat on the bone for Gabe Davis to live up to his draft position as well. So my knock against Gabe Davis has nothing to do with Gabe Davis as a football player or his talent. It's just that Jamison Crowder is a very underrated player. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with a lot of that uh, because I think that Crowder is going to stick in this offense and he hasn't played for a good football team. And I think he is going to give us everything that he's absolutely got. And I'm not going to say that Gabe's not going to pop necessarily because of everything else that's going on. I agree. There's a lot that has to happen for a lot of different people on the team to do well. Right. Because you didn't even talk about Dawson Knox or any of that in the mix yet. Right. So there's still other pieces of this. I think the difference that we'll see this year, though, is that Gabe is going to be on the field more because what we've done in the past is we've typically brought in a veteran at the number two. Right. This year, we brought in the veteran at the slot position and Gabe is going to be probably the number two and be on the field more often. Right. So we should see, I think, a heavier dose of him more often, but it's going to be hard to pop like to that level, right? It is. He's going to have those games. I agree that he will have a game where he gets two, three touchdowns, probably maybe once or twice throughout the season. That could very well happen. 
but it's it's going to be like that for Dawson Knox one game potentially Diggs one game like that's how this offense will function so it'll be interesting to see but I am a big Crowder guy too uh, I do love the connection with Gabe Davis and Josh Allen I think that will play a role and then this is all based with Stefan Diggs as the number one if anything goes badly with Stefan Diggs then Gabe Davis has got to pop right like because that- then, then it changes everything and that's where I'd make a difference. You know, if, if for some reason, let's say Stefan Diggs didn't get extended, you know, they didn't give him, what was it? $96 million, whatever it was. If he didn't get that contract and he walked as a free agent and Gabe Davis was able to step into that role as the primary receiver, I'd really like it, but he's going to be stepping into the role that Emmanuel Sanders and John Brown had that really didn't produce a lot of value, but um, volume. And then just looking at what Gabe Davis has done, you know, he hasn't cracked 600 yards in his first two seasons. I'm expecting him to have a career year this year. But it's just really hard to expect him to, you know, double that production. And for him to live up to his current draft stock as wide receiver 24, that's pretty much what he needs to do. And a thousand yards when you're playing behind Stefan Diggs and have never cracked 600 yards in a season is a tough, tough ask. So I'm projecting for around eight to nine hundred yards for Gabe Davis. But like you said, the touchdowns are what's really intriguing. Unfortunately, though, those are just almost impossible to predict. I mean, Gabe Davis is somebody who I could easily see finding the end zone 12, 14 times this year. But that's really tough to bet on when you're in a fantasy football draft. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's where like when when people are listening to this, that that's the piece, right? Like we're not talking just football player here, right? These guys are great, right? But as far as how they're going to affect you in fantasy and what they can do for you, there's just certain systems and certain things that you you have to take into account, even when a player is really that good and you only got 18 roster spots, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it, sometimes you got to think about that stuff. And I kind of mentioned them already. And I we've seen nothing but production coming from this position in Dawson Knox, right? So like what like to me Dawson Knox is he's like soaring to the moon right I've I've had this discussion with a lot of different people about you have the opportunity to pay Knox or you're going to pay Edmonds I've been the pro Knox guy because I I look at like that Brady and Gronk connection I look at that Mahomes and Kelsey connection and think that if Knox and Allen can do something like that you, you can't give up on that kind of stuff, right? So where are you at on the tight end? Are you going after Bill's tight end? Is Dawson Knox draftable as a, a high a high flight tight end? Yeah, I mean, the nice thing is that he's got a pretty reasonable draft cost right now. You know, he's going as like a back-end tight end one. And what you're looking for when you're drafting those tight end ones is somebody who's going to score a lot of touchdowns. And I think that Dawson Knox has the opportunity to score a lot of touchdowns. So that's usually the difference maker when you're looking at season finishes, like at the end of a fantasy football season, typically like a middle like tight end one and a middle tight end two are usually like two or three touchdowns. That's the difference in scoring for him. You've got that super elite tier, you know, your your Travis Kelsey, um, Darren Waller, George Kittle, Kyle Pitts. Um, that, that, that's your elite tier of tight ends. And then after that, you're basically hoping for the guys that are going to score the most touchdowns. So Dustin Knox was um, commanding a ton of looks in the red zone last year, and he's got all the desirable traits. Like you said, you know, so many great quarterbacks historically have that tight end that they can lean on. And when you look at his size adjusted speed go- score, that's inside the 80th, 85th percentile. When you look at his catch radius, 78th percentile, I mean, he's got a lot of really, really desirable traits and he's still just 25 years old. So, what you were getting at saying extend Dawson Knox over Tremaine Edmonds, that's a little spicy. I don't know about that. I mean, Tremaine Edmonds is an absolute dog, but uh, it, it, there's a strong case to be made for it if Dawson Knox can show up this year, command some more targets, and still maintain his role in the red zone. I mean, ideally, the, the best case scenario, right, is that they're going to keep both of them because one of them is going to have to take a little less money is the only way it's probably going to function. And that's why I asked about 
Poyer at the beginning is because I think him, he kind of hinges on the success of us keeping both of those guys. If we choose to keep him around, that's less money we have for one of those two young bucks that could be around for the next four or five years. Right. So uh, it, it, it's a, it's a hit or miss, but I thought quietly a nice move this offseason was the OJ Howard signing. I don't know that he's going to be a fantasy value, right? Unless Knox goes down, but even then we might see that the offense just shifts completely, right? But where are you on OJ Howard? Because Tampa Bay has like nobody, right? They're down to just Cameron Bray, and then they drafted. So they yeah. let him walk, right? So like, what, what, where are you at on Howard? Yeah, I don't know if you saw my tweet yesterday. I kind of joked around i was like you know if i was tampa bay's gm i'd be calling up billy or brandon bean right now seeing if oj howard's available um you know yeah i don't don't think that tampa bay planned for this at all you know them letting oj howard walk probably had a lot to do with them anticipating rob gronkowski coming back but even with arians now no longer the head coach i mean it's still going to be the bruce arians offense down there in tampa bay that offense has never really produced tight ends. I mean, that's just not really what that offense is built around. They kind of made an exception for Rob Gronkowski, but they lined him up in the slot so much anyway. He was basically just playing a big slot receiver. So O.J. Howard, you know, he showed some flashes in his first couple of years, and then he had that Achilles injury and never really got his um, his energy back, never really got that uh, burst back, I should say. And then he was stuck behind Rob Gronkowski and Cameron Braid on the depth chart. So I think that there's a lot of promise there. I mean, the dude is just, you were talking about Josh Allen just towering over players. Look at a picture of O.J. Howard next to just about anybody, and he's going to be bigger than him. I mean, he looks like an offensive lineman. Um, The fear is, you know, is he going to get that explosiveness back from pre-Achilles injury? And now he's two years removed for that, so so it could happen. Um, I'm excited to see what he can do in this offense, but I still think that Dawson Knox is going to be the preferred guy. Now I wouldn't expect to see much out of O.J. Howard outside of maybe some weird, you know, plays that they might draw up for him at the goal line, but I don't think that he's mm-hmm. going to be a pretty steady part of the offense. Yeah. I think realistically uh, he's a nice insurance piece if, if, you know, cause he has that build where he can fit, he should be able to fit the role that you want him to play. Um, but besides that, he's, he, he's in this house building, I think as his run blocking, um, he, he's a nice big body to have on an end when you're trying to run the football as well, I think is a, a, and why he was added to this football team as well. But and how many times have you seen these like first round bus, you know, they, yeah. they bust with one team and then they get a change of scenery and all of a sudden it's like, Oh, that's what that player can do. So, I mean, he got written off as a bus, but this guy's a former 19th overall pick. Yeah. Like, he has all of the measurables. The fact that he is 6'6 and can run a 4'5 is just absolutely mind-blowing. So, a lot of this, like I said, you know, the, the Achilles injury, especially at that side, is, it, size is tough to come back from. But there's a very, very good chance that he can bounce back here. Yeah, no, I'm excited to see what he can do for us. I think he's 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 going to sp- score probably three or four touchdowns, I would guess, and it's probably going to be a couple crucial ones when we need him most, right? Like that that's what I imagine he is for this football team at this point. But as we're getting close to kind of like wrapping this kind of thing up right now, who is? I just want your like general opinion. I think you may have gave it to me a little bit earlier already, but who is the, your best overall fantasy player that like Dave Kluge's just like this is the best dude there is in fantasy. Must have must do anywheres oh well uh you know i i honestly jameson crowder is one of my favorites and i already talked about him a little bit so i'm not going to talk about jameson crowder too much but i did a show earlier today about flag plans and one of the guys that i talked about was jameson crowder but another guy we'll, we'll talk about a different team here alan lazard i mean this guy mm-hmm. is just walking into such an insane opportunity to be the wide receiver one in green bay and everyone's so quick to point out well yeah this guy did nothing early in his career you know he's never eclipsed 600 yards he's never you know commanded a huge target share but you know who else really struggled earlier in their career? Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb, Jordy Nelson. 
for whatever reason, Aaron Rodgers just has this like weird method of like really slowly grooming and developing his wide receivers. And it seems like Alan Lazard is that guy that is going to be next up to bat. The only guy that's more tenured right now on the Green Bay Packers is Randall Cobb. And he's only been there for a couple of years. He's in his 30s. He's going to be flaming out pretty soon here. Alan Lazard has the size, the build, the speed. He's got everything that you can plug into that X receiver role in the offense that we've seen Devontae Adams and Jordy Nelson crush in historically. So, you know, there is some risk there, but I think that people are just discounting the fact that he can walk into a role where he can see 100, 120, 130 targets and put up wide receiver one numbers. So that is a guy right now in just about every draft I'm trying to leave with Alan Lazard. Got it. Is it is it a bad move to essentially kind of put your focus on the high-powered offenses? Or no, do you kind of always all. stay there? No, not at all. And, um, you know, funny enough, I'm over at Football Guys. There was just a show yesterday morning on the Football Guys Network where Sigmund Bloom was talking with uh, Andrew Erickson from Fantasy Pros, and they did an entire show about that, that you can literally just draft players on good offenses and win your fantasy league from that alone. And every year we have these outliers where, you know, somebody on a really bad offense does well. We saw it with James Robinson. We saw it with Leonard Fournette in Jacksonville back in the day, Christian McCaffrey with Carolina. And there are these outliers, but realistically, why wouldn't you just want to draft the guys on the teams that are going to score 80 touchdowns and throw, you know, 6,000 yards, go out and get the guys that are on good offenses. And right now, Aaron Rodgers isn't going to suddenly suck because Jordan Devonte Adams is out of the picture. He's still going to throw for 4,500 yards. He's still going to throw for 30 or 35 touchdowns. They've got to go to somebody. Why not get the guy that's going to play the X receiver role in that offense? Right. Makes sense. I mean, he did it before Adams was there. I mean, I think people are going to forget that, but he's done it with lesser quality players than Adams. I mean, so mm-hmm. uh, I'm not too nervous about that. As we're getting ready to close out here real quick, it's June 23rd. Who wins the Super Bowl? I mean, I'm not just saying this because I'm on the show, but I got my money on the bills. Let's go. Okay. I like it. And of course, everybody that's listening is uh, definitely going to like that too. So <laughs> I uh, appreciate everybody that's been watching the show with us this evening. We're going to wrap it up for tonight. Dave, thanks so much for coming on, man. Why don't you go ahead and tell people where they can find you and uh, anything you got coming up? Yeah, real simple. You can find me on Twitter at Dave Kluge. That's K-L-U-G-E. And then all of my written and video content can be found at footballguys.com. I love it. Oh, got the Bears training camp. Yep, Dave, Dave he is he is a Bears man, you know, so we do let him come on and talk, though, just because he knows <laughs> fantasy football. No, I'm here I am. I'm a Bears fan. I come on here and I start hyping up the Packers. I don't know what's happening. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you're losing your mind over there, I think, is what's happening <laughs> for you. But really appreciate you coming on, man. I know you're a busy guy this time of year with everything kicking off in the fantasy world. If you guys are looking for, uh, you know, fantasy advice, head over to Football Guys, the Ultimate Draft Kit's out and everything like that. Get you ready for Dynasty, Redraft, whatever you're trying to do. They got you covered. Uh, really great guys over there too so thanks again for coming on dave if you guys can make sure you head over to us.november.com and check out you know november.com or movember excuse me i actually said november uh, movember.com and uh, what they're up to over there all right and of course go bills make sure you leave a review and subscribe so you never miss another episode we'll see you next time Leg out.